before I get started, we'll just go through announcements real quick. We have three main ones, I think. Um, uh, one is our, um, we're collecting the pajamas for the foster care children from birth to 24. So um, as you're going out and you're shopping, if you happen to see some pajamas, pick them up. We'll be collecting them. I think the goal was 1,000, but we'd love to go <laughs> 5,000. That would be awesome. So we have from now until Christmas, we'll also start spreading that out. We'll get some probably like flyers or things you can post different places, post things on Facebook so that we can be sharing that and reaching out to the kids in that way. Um, Bill Goodblett will be starting a class. I don't remember what day it do you see on the slides when it starts? Slides. Don't I know that? Okay. Yeah, we can start if you want to. Oh, you have it right up there. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So the title of the message is Wake Up and Pay Attention. You might think this stemmed from a conversation with my children or maybe my husband. <laughs> it actually came out of a conversation that David and I were having. We were talking a few weeks ago about how we had just seen God moving and speaking so clearly in so many different ways. Like, for example, for me, um, I've been doing this journal, and it's write the word journal, and it has a theme, and it picks out scripture that's specific to that theme. And I was enjoying it, loving it, and then towards the end of it, I was like, oh, I'd like to pick one more of the journals. They have all these different themes. So I was going through them and kind of debating between a few, and finally I was like, okay, I'll land on joy. It, it's bright yellow, but I'll take joy. And um, I did that Sunday morning, made a purchase on Amazon real quick, and I got here to church, and I was doing Kid Life, went downstairs, and they had a poster that said, Choose Joy. And I was like, score. I, I did it right. I chose joy. All right. Well, the next several days, I can't tell you. Now, I know joy is a Christian word. <laughs> we hear it a lot. But it was everywhere for me. For the next several days, verses that were coming in for the day, I have an Abide app that does, like, push notifications. Everything was about stepping into joy. I listened to a podcast. It wasn't about joy, but then they talk about joy for five minutes. And I was just like, wow, this is just amazing, this confirmation that's happening. Oh, God, I wish that you would speak like this all the time. And Dave was sharing with me just the different things that had been happening for him. And we got to talking. Is it that God is speaking more, or is it that we're paying attention more? And now I do think there are seasons in our lives where we just see God moving more. That's just the way that it is. But I also believe that there's a lot that we miss because we're not paying attention. Because God is all at work all around us, in us. Um, there's a scripture from Acts 17, 28 that says, For in him we live and move and have our being. It's constant. This constant flow. So what it requires is of us is paying attention. Um, this became a very important um, concept for me back in like my mid-20s we had just moved from western New York down to Lynchburg and um, oh he actually did my scriptures too awesome um, we'd moved down to Lynchburg and it was just this time of kind of like newness for us of freedom like going to a different church and um, getting in a small group with healthy couples was huge for us um, and we were just experiencing all of this growth and so I started reading these different authors and I read this one book by John Eldridge it was called Waking the Dead and the whole premise of the book is that we're going through life sleepwalking through the motions. We're like sleepwalking people, sleepwalking Christians, missing out on this true relationship that God wants to have with us. And that was just eye-opening for me. I'm like, how have I been sleepwalking? I'm going through these motions. I know in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s, there was just this big push, probably even before that, but those are the times I grew up. And it was this push on, like, you do the right things. Do the right things because that's, that's a good Christian. You do these things. Not so much about relationships. So this started opening me up to this idea that God wanted to have this relationship with me that was very vibrant and alive and that I could stop sleepwalking. Um, there's a verse that I love from 1 Thessalonians 5 through 6 that says, This is why we must not fall asleep as the rest do. But keep wide awake and clear-headed. And this was in reference to Jesus' return and to us being light. Now, if the Bible says don't fall asleep, as the rest do, but stay wide awake, that obviously means we can fall asleep and that we can be sleepwalking and that we do need to stay awake. I read this book around that same time that was called Seizing Your Divine Moment. It's now called um, Chasing Daylight. I'm not sure why he changed the name. But the whole premise is, in that book, is that... 
we are faced with all throughout our day, there are these divine moments that God has us to step into. The problem is we miss so many of them because we have, you know, the things that we're doing, we're distracted by what we think we need to do, um, just daily life. And so we miss out on these opportunities. One quote that he had is, um, I'm convinced that the greatest tragedy is not the sins we commit, but the life we didn't live. And that's pretty powerful because I know that I want to live a life that has purpose and that finds God and sees God where he's at work so that I can join him in the work that he's doing. So what do we gain from paying attention? Kind of already hinted at that. Um, I pulled out three different scriptures that I feel just by themselves are just amazing points at what happens when we are really truly paying attention. Mark 4.24, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more, you under- the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. So in this verse, we see that when we pay attention, we gain understanding. Hebrews 2.1. This is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. So we see here, when we're attentive, we are focused, engaged, and on track. Who doesn't want to live a life like that? Focused, engaged, and on track. And then 1 Timothy 4.16. Give careful attention to your spiritual life and every cherished truth you teach. For living what you preach will then release even more abundant life inside you and to all those who listen to you. And I love this verse. It's about paying attention to our spiritual life. That is the the root of it. We pay attention to our spiritual life, and then as we talk with others, then as we share with others, then as we live our life, that is when we can step into this abundant living. And not just abundant living for ourselves. It's for others as well. So why are we asleep? Why is it so hard to pay attention? God gave me an, well, it's it's an example to share. It's somewhat incriminating. And I'm just going to say this to start with. I'm a good driver, but you might not think so after you hear this. Um, this example came from uh, when I first got my driver's license. Now, do we have a picture of the car? So I mean, I guess most cars are probably bulky like this back then. Um, but I think that my parents gave me this car because it was a tank. It's a Caprice, a Chevy Caprice. Um, so I practiced on this car before I got my license, all of my driving and doing my parallel parking and three-point turns, all of that, in this car so I'd be ready because it was the car that my parents said I had to drive. So I get to the test, and the um, guy comes into the car, and I think he set his, like, little pad down or something, but I saw that he'd only passed one person, and I was later in the day, so there were lots of people that he had failed. So I was like, okay, this isn't looking good, but, you know, I'll just do my best. I've been doing real good with all my practicing. And so I got about halfway through the test, and I thought things were going really well. It was time to parallel park. It's not my favorite, but I'd done it time and time again, and I'd done a good job. Well, the instructor must not have thought I was doing a good job because he freaked out, grabbed the steering wheel, and did the parallel parking for me. Well, at this point, I'm like, okay, I didn't pass. So I get back, and we pull over to the side, and he tells me that I passed. Well, one of the things that goes through my mind is if I did that and he freaked out, like what about all those other people like that he failed? How bad were they? And he passed me. Anyway, so I have my license. I don't know if I actually told my parents about that part, but I have my license. And so we had an honor National Honor Society banquet that was coming up, and we all were supposed to meet down, and the bus was going to drive us from the school. So I said to my parents, can I drive down? It's only like five minutes. And can I pick up my friend? She's like a minute from the school. Well, I think my parents probably thought, well, this will be a good first drive. It's only a couple of minutes, only going to be, you know, not too far away. So they said yes. So I'm excited, super excited to go pick up my friend and show her how I'm driving without any adult in the car besides myself. I guess I was an adult then. But I get down, I start driving, and I get the music on. And then I started kind of worrying because um, the seat belt and my dress was going to get wrinkled. So I'm, like, trying to sit in a way that I wouldn't get wrinkled because I wanted to look cute. Um, But then I'm also a very cautious person, so I'm driving cautiously. Um, and I'm sure if you'd been behind me, but I live in the backwoods, it would have been annoying, but no one was behind me at that point. So I finally get down into town, and we have a blinking light, and Dave's bashed my town a ton, so you know it's not like the highlight of the county. We're a small little area, we got a blinking light, 
Um, so I'm coming to this blinking light. So I need to stop, and the traffic on the other side needs to stop, and the other traffic has the right of way. They can just keep moving. I start to panic because I see another car coming up to the stop sign on the other side, and I'm like, oh, no, how does it work when you're both stopped, and I need to turn left? And so I'm, like, starting to panic about what's going to happen, and I'm like, oh, no, then I'm going to be overthinking it, and all the people behind me, there wasn't anybody that was going to be behind me, you know, in this small little town, but I'm starting to panic, and I'm like, okay, this is what I'll do that will make it a lot easier. When I get to the stop sign, I'm, I'm just going to go, because if I just go, then I don't have to worry about whose turn it is because they won't be there yet. So I get to the stop sign, and I turn left, and I smashed into a truck um, because I didn't look. <laughs> I was so consumed with what could happen when we got to the stop sign that I totaled this person's truck. And the image that is forever in my mind, the passenger was drinking a milkshake, and it went all over him. And I got called names. I didn't know what they meant, but I got called a lot of names. Well, I pull my tank off, which in my mind, it had no scratches because the car, I mean, it just held up well. But their truck was totaled. So I'm over to the side. The police officers are there. Everybody in town is getting out because nothing happens in this town. They might as well have been selling, like, hot dogs and stamps. But everybody's out, you know, talking about what Margot did. And then the bus goes by with all the National Honor Society kids, and they had no trouble paying attention to me standing there with the officer. It's so easy when things like that happen to say, oh my goodness, I wasn't paying attention. If I'd done this differently, I could have avoided this outcome. And we can learn from those situations when that happens. Hopefully we learn so that we can drive better. I do drive okay, just so you know. Um, I do look both ways. And we learn from that. The sad thing with a Christian life <laughs> is that we don't see the times when we fail to pay attention typically. Could you imagine what it would be like at the end of the day if we were kind of reviewing it with God and God was like, oh, um, right here, I wanted to, like, have you do this, and it was going to really impact this person. Oh, and right here, remember when your kids were really annoying you? That's when I really, they really needed, your son really needed you to, like, talk with him right then because he's really hurting, and you guys could have had, like, this really special moment. Could you imagine what that would be like? If I had God doing that with me, I think it would be so much easier to be like, okay, yes, i got to pay better attention. I've got to, because I don't want to miss those opportunities. In the book I referenced earlier, Seizing Your Divine Moment, he was talking about that. Like, that is one of the saddest things, that we don't get to see what we've missed to inspire us to keep, to pay attention, and to be open to God. So why are we distracted? We definitely saw some reasons I was distracted. I was very busy making sure my outfit didn't get wrinkled. I had the music turned on. I was concerned about what could happen if I got to the stop sign and I didn't know what to do. I was worried and anxious. So we have two things that I think that most of us would agree with if we were to say, why do I get distracted? First one would be busyness. I think we could all agree life is very full. And so we're going from one thing to the next to the next, and there are kids things to do, or, you know, just a lot of work to do, um, and so as we move from these things, we've, we're busy, and life is very full, and there was this space and time when I think that, and, and it's still good, where people, we were telling them, you've got to stop doing everything, you've got to slow way down, get rid of everything, simplify, and then it's important, we do need to be looking at our lives and seeing where we can simplify and where we can slow down. But the truth is, our lives are going to be full. And I don't think the goal that God has for us is to stop living a full life. Because honestly, many of the invitations he wants to give us are in the midst of our full life. I think the thing that he wants is for us to learn how to pay attention to him better so that in those full moments, we can respond to him. We can see him at work and be able to step into those invitations that he has for us. I also think another reason why we find ourselves distracted is perspective. And there are three things that I want to talk with when it comes to perspective. The first is that if I don't believe that God can talk to me or that God wants to communicate with me and show me his love, I'm not going to be looking for it. So the first thing in our this perspective is this understanding that we have a God that wants this deep, purposeful relationship with us. And so when we have that, that allows us to start being more awakened to 
um, him speaking in our lives. The other thing with perspective is um, the impact of anxiety and fear on us. When I don't know about you, but I think this is true for probably most of us, when I start feeling anxious or fearful, it's like my brain shuts down and my ability to really be present to what is going on right now is it's very difficult for me. Um, I'm distracted by what could happen. I'm dwelling on what did happen. And I'm having a really hard time being right here. And the only place that we can live is in this present moment. I can't live in the past, and I can't truly live in the future just here. And that's also the space where God is talking to me. God is present with me right here, inviting me into things right in these moments right now. So when we are filled with fear and anxiety and that's shutting down, our brain is just kind of shutting down because we're distracted by the past or the future, we can't make the decisions that we need to make well and we can't pay attention to God or others. It's very, very difficult. And I think we can see this even back in the Garden of Eden. I think that it had a lot to do with why Eve made the choices that she did. The snake's coming up and getting her to question and doubt this God that she thought loved her tremendously, that she just had this, like, free trust with. There was no question there. And here comes the, this enemy saying, are you sure? Well, God knows if you do this that you'll be like him. What? God's holding out on me? I mean, all of this fear comes, and immediately she's not able to be in the present moment and make this decision based on what she knows is truth. And we saw where that went. The other thing that I think is important um, that kind of ties into what we were talking about in the last two is that we will find what we're looking for. If I believe that my kids are a hot mess, I'm going to be looking for it, and I'm going to find it, right? We're going to find evidence of those things. If I believe that the world is filled with evil people, I'm going to find evil people every time I step out into the world. I'm going to see it everywhere. And the same is true. If I believe that God loves me, and I believe that God is pursuing me, and I'm looking for it, I'm going to find it. So perspective is huge. So what does it take? Um, what does it look like to pay attention and to truly be awake? And we've touched on this a little bit. It's the whole idea of being in the moment, being here right where I am right now and not being distracted. It's this whole idea of mindfulness. Now, mindfulness has had kind of a bad rap, you know, present moment living, that type of stuff has um, because early on, like I would say like 90s, I remember my parents talking this way, like, that's very new age. That's like the, the, the Buddhist religion. You know, like they use that. Well, you know what? They do, but if it's truth, it's God's. It doesn't matter who's using something or, you know, it's part of their religious practices. If it's truth, it's God's, and we need to claim that. And the truth is that mindfulness is incredibly important, and we've seen the benefits of it. Research shows that. That's truth. And so for us to be mindful and to be present in the moment we are in is the best way that we're going to be able to pay attention to God and to others and even to ourselves, what's going on inside of us. All three of those things are incredibly important. And in Matthew 6, 33 and 34, Jesus talks about mindfulness. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things, he's talking about the food and the clothing, will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. So even Jesus was saying, be here right now. Because the only way that we can chase after the kingdom of God, I can only do that right here, right now. I can't do that in the future. I can hope for it and want it or maybe make plans for ways that I can do it more, but I can only actually do it right here, right now. The other thing besides being, you know, here in the moment to be attentive is that we need to be directly focused and our senses have to be engaged. Typically, it is what we see and what we hear that is the, the senses we engage, but all of our senses can be engaged when we're paying attention. And I say engaged because you can look at someone and you can let the words go in your ears, 
But if you are not engaged, which I hope not lots of you are doing that right now, if you're not engaged where you're truly seeing or you're truly hearing, then you're not going to be able to pay attention. So it is senses that are engaged. And now let's do, I'm going to do a fun activity with an orange. Um, can I get someone to pass out oranges for me? Um, Amber's going to. And is there, don't, you don't have to put your shoes on. Shoes are, shoes are overrated. Um, Whitney has issues with oranges. Does anybody else have like an orange issue? Like sh she, she has an allergic reaction, so she's going to do a kiwi. <laughs> so when you get the orange, just hold on to it. Don't do anything with it. And we're going to walk through an exercise with paying attention. As you're getting your orange, I want you to just take a second and just truly look at it. Try and engage with the orange in whatever senses you can think. See if you can see something, notice anything that maybe you haven't before. Because a lot of times when we eat our food, we're like actually doing other things probably while we're trying to eat. But we rip right into it, eat it, and we're done. But I want you to take a moment to just really pay attention to your orange. What do you notice about it? What do you notice about the skin? How does it feel? Do you notice the color of it? It has a little place where it was attached to a tree. Is it perfectly orange, or are there other colors that you notice? If you want to lick it and see if it tastes like anything, feel free. <laughs> Probably not the best point right now. All right. So now let's take a moment, and we're going to start to cut into it however you want to, Whitney. But just start opening it and pay attention to what you notice as you break it open. What do you smell? How does it feel when you're peeling it? And go ahead and do peel the whole thing and just pay attention as you're doing it. How does it feel? What, what are you noticing? Do you notice anything different when you're peeling it that maybe you don't when you quick go through opening up an orange to eat? Go ahead and take a piece off. You should definitely be smelling it pretty good now. All right, I'm going to have you put it in your mouth, but I don't want you to chew it. I want you to just put it in your mouth and just kind of, how does it feel in your mouth before you even bite down on it? What do you notice? Do you notice anything? Do you already, can you already taste the flavor when you put it in your mouth and you haven't bit down? Go ahead and chew it. Try and chew it a little bit more slowly than you normally would. And you can go you can keep eating it while I'm talking if you want. How many of us eat like that? I know I don't. I'm usually rushing, or I'm talking, or I'm doing something else. Oh, you got to say so. Yeah. You might think, what does this have to do with paying attention to God? 
Well, the truth is, the more that we slow down and we start to strengthen this, if we can think of it as a muscle, this ability to pay attention, it impacts all areas of our life. So slowing down when we are eating or even to like slow down when you're baking or cooking, and what does it feel like? What is this experience like? You are being very present in that moment. So the more that we engage in things that way, the more that we will be able to see it impacting other areas of our life as well. So that's one thing I would encourage you to do this week. If this was something that you enjoyed, take a time when you're eating a meal or when you're baking and cooking and really slow down and pay attention. Now, we aren't necessarily looking for God to show up here, but you never know. You never know where even in those small details like that, that God might want to show himself to you. So how do we grow in our ability to pay attention? And that's one thing that I was just talking right there was this whole idea of practicing. We've been talking about, even in kid life, how we want them to be able to notice God more in their own lives, to wake them. Could you imagine being taught that at a really young age, that God really wants to talk to you and starting to help them become more aware of that and see that in their everyday life, what that's going to do for them as adults. And so we're wanting to do that more. And a lot of that is like the language we use with them and activities that we'll have them do as we step into them more specifically being able to say, oh, God is speaking to me. God wants to speak to me, not just here at church, but all throughout my life. So the one thing that we need to do is we need to practice. You need to find ways to, first of all, just practice paying attention. And so something as simple as this food exercise is one way to grow in your ability to pay attention. Um, other types of practices are when we talk about doing devotions and spending time with God. When you're spending time with God, you're growing in your ability to pay attention. So it's so that's why it is so important that we're doing that in these spaces that we create by ourselves so that when we go out into the fullness of our life, we can then pay more attention to God in, our, in the fullness of our lives. So we need to create specific moments to practice being awake to God that, that allow us to become more awake during our everyday lives. So what does practice require from us? So if you think about anything that you practice, you have to have space for it. So we do need to create space in our lives for practicing. Um, our perspective, again, is important. You truly have to believe that God wants to talk to you and that he is living and breathing and moving all around you. And so having that perspective is important. So we have the space and time. We have the perspective. We need to be intentional. We've got to be intentional as well. So in the things that we choose. We're going to do another activity. And we've done elements of this, but I'm going to walk you through it um, just a little bit more very specifically so that hopefully if this is something that you're drawn to, you'll be able to practice it more on your own. So we're going to do breath prayer. This is a very simple way of being with God that you can do just about anywhere. If you do it in the car, just keep your eyes open. But very simple. So what we're going to do is we're going to pay attention to our breath. And anytime you pay attention to your breath, that you're present. That is a great way to be present is when we, we pay attention to our breathing. The other thing that's beautiful, I don't know if you remember this, a while back we talked about how the word um, Yahweh was actually like the sound of breathing in and breathing out, which is another beautiful way to think about it when you're thinking about your breath, the whole So beautiful already there of how we can connect with God with our breath. For me, I found, I found this especially helpful. I love yoga. And so when they talk about breath, I am bringing in all of these pieces of, like, what God has shown me of, like, that Yahweh. Like, he is my breath. And so paying attention to your breath during this activity will be important. And the other thing that makes this different than just doing mindfulness, because we've all seen pictures of people sitting quietly and being mindful and trying to empty their minds out. Um, the goal of this is to be present with God. While I am sitting here breathing in and breathing out, um, I will choose a word. So you could choose any word that's meaningful to you. You could also choose an image if you're more visual that you want to hold while you're breathing in and breathing out. And, um, or you could have a phrase. Like some people might say, um, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, you could choose any type of phrase that you're drawn to. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to actually take two minutes, and that can seem like a long time if you're not used to doing that, but we're going to take two minutes and just close our eyes and be still, pay attention to our breath, and just say a breath prayer. So any word, image, or phrase that you would like to say. So get yourself comfortable, however it is comfortable for you. If sitting on the floor is comfortable, you can do that. It does work best if you close your eyes so that you can take out the distractions visually. And if you have, and this is very common, to get like distracting thoughts that come in and out as you're um, in breath prayer, just kind of let them go. Be gentle with yourself. Don't get frustrated. That will be more distracting than the thought that you had. But just let it go. Um, there's a beautiful saying, and I don't know exactly who said it, but um, I don't know if it was like a nun coming to, like a new nun coming to another nun um, and saying, I've been trying to do this um, where I'm quiet with God, but I have to like, oh, keep going back and keep going back. Um, and this nun or person says, how beautiful that 100 times you got to come back to God. So be gentle with yourself. We'll take two minutes, um, and then I'll say amen. Everybody comfortable? Okay, go ahead. Being still before God like that can be um, hard at, at first, especially. But the more that we spend those times, those quiet moments with God, the more we'll be able to focus on him, and the more um, we'll actually see it impacting all of our life. There's another practice that's called centering prayer, and that's usually around 20 minutes that we do of being quiet before God. And again, this can seem like a long time to just be with God, but I think there's nothing more that he wants at times with us is that opportunity because we're so busy and so distracted at times. I've actually found that when I do it consistently, and there's actually been research specifically on centering prayer, that the more that we slow down and do this, there's actual transformation in people's lives. Like they did a study specifically on like anxiety, and they saw that anxiety significantly lessened for people. I had a friend um, who had a horrible potty mouth, and she started doing centering prayer just to try it out and to be with God, found that she really liked it, and started telling me, you know what's so weird? Like I'm not having that much of a problem with cursing anymore. In fact, it's like, I'm not really at all. And I didn't try to stop or anything, but 
just this impact of being in God's presence intentionally had made a lot of change in her life. So I would just encourage you if there are ways that you can enter into that slowness and stillness where you're paying attention to God um, in that simple way, it can definitely make a lot of difference. And it's something that is truly easy enough to just spend a couple minutes here or there throughout our day um, to pause. The next thing I'm going to have us practice out is um, a type of examine. And I've talked about the examine a couple of times and about how meaningful examine has been for me in my spiritual life. It's probably the most meaningful spiritual practice that I have engaged in um, regularly. And what I usually do is either at night or the next morning review the day and ask God to show me what um, he would like me to see in that day. And it could be the ways that I was really connected to him, what I have to be thankful for, how I noticed his love, maybe areas where I noticed myself pulled away from him or pulled away from others. But the examine, the reason it's been so life-impacting for me is I've been doing this now regularly, most days, some days I don't get to, for the last four or five years. And what it's done for me is I'm strengthening that pay attention muscle so that now when I go throughout my day, I'm not waiting to the end and reviewing and being like, oh, God was there, God was there. I see him moving so much more freely in my life because that muscle has been strengthened. And that is the whole point of these these things that we're doing is that when we're out and living life, we can be attentive to God. So what I'd like for you to do is, and we'll just take a few minutes with this, is to notice the way that God has shown love to you. You could look at the last 24 hours. You could look at the last week. You could look at the last year. If you feel like you're newer to the Christian faith or, you know, you're not feeling as connected with God, you can take your whole lifetime and just say, God, show me a way or two that you have put your love on display for me in my life. And the reason I chose love is because I think there is nothing greater that changes us than experiencing God's love. We hear, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. We know, like, in our head that. But when we see the ways that God is putting his love on display, we want a relationship with a God like that. So we want to pursue him, and we want to be more awake to him. So noticing his love is incredibly important. So I'm going to just give us a couple of minutes, and I'd like you just to ask God to show you how he has shown love to you.
I hope that in that space you are able to have at least one thing come to mind of a way that God has shown you his love. If not, it will be something to sit with afterwards as well. Gregory Boyd, who wrote Present Perfect, which if you find yourself interested in this topic, it's a great book. Um, He says, If we remain awake to God's ever-present love, we will find that every encounter, however trivial, becomes a sacred, incarnational moment. I'll read that again. If we remain awake to God's ever-present love, we will find that every encounter, however trivial, becomes a sacred, incarnational moment. We become more awake to the power of each moment as we pay attention, more available to both receive God's love and to give God's love. All right. We have a few minutes. And another thing that is super helpful when we are trying to grow in our ability to pay attention is to share with others or to listen to others. Um, So we're going to take a few minutes and I'd like for you to get into groups of maybe three-ish, and you can share anything that God might have brought to mind for you today. You could share what it was like with the orange that might step out for you, what breath prayer was like, examine any part of what was covered today, or maybe something else that you want to share. But this is important because the more that we do this, it helps us to ground the things that we're paying attention to and what God is bringing to mind. So we're just going to take a few minutes. So if you share, if you share, don't feel like you have to share. Don't want to make anyone feel that way. Um, and if you do share, please make sure to be very concise so that everyone gets an opportunity. Um, so max like two minutes per person. So we'll go ahead and you guys can find someone to meet with and then I will let you know when we will um, be coming up for worship. Go team, go.
Okay, if you want to find your seat, if you'd moved. Uh, worship team, if you want to come up now. Sounded like there's some good conversations going on. That's good. As we enter um, our last little bit of worship, I would like to ask you to maintain this awareness of paying attention. What does it look like to be fully present and awake during worship? What does that look like? If you haven't had a chance to get communion, or if you already have but you want to go again and be fully present, what does it look like to really pay attention when you're taking the cup and when you're, you're eating the bread, you know, thinking about what was really done for you. So as we end out here, however you would like to end these last moments, communion, in worship, try to let go of any distractions and try to just be right here in this moment.